This Christmas, well, good morning. Um, this Christmas, I have a simple prayer and hope. And that's simply that in our families, in our church, in our community, that we would remember that Christmas is about Jesus. You know, uh, there's so much noise and clutter, and, and it's easy to just lose sight that this is about Jesus. And today, I, I want us to begin celebrating our Christmas season with that simple truth in view. If you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 9. And, and I want to get back to this, this season to, to reminding us of the, of the call to memorize Scripture. And in this Christmas season, I want to challenge you with two verses of memorization. You know, we can do that, right? Um, Isaiah 6, or excuse me, Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. It's one of the most profound, interesting prophecies, uh, 750 years or so, give or take, before Christ entered the earth, entered human history. This prophet, uh, Isaiah, being faithful to serve the Lord in his generation and in his day gets this message from God to write down as a, as a record for generations to come. And, 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 and you know, we, we've learned in memorization that if you're going to memorize a passage, it's always good to start with the reference, end with the reference. So let's practice together. I want you to stand with me. And um, we're going to read the screens. It's going to be on the screens today. And uh, I want us to together <coughs> quote this. You ready? Start with the reference and join me. Ready? Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, several years ago, a group from our church we went to Israel, and man, uh, we had to cancel. We were going to go this year, and we had to cancel because it's just been crazy with COVID still, and Israel shut their borders. We just are so uncertain about that, so we postponed it to 2023, so you'll be hearing about that. But we went to Israel <clears throat> several years ago, and we went to Bethlehem. And in Bethlehem, there's the the church of the nativity, and, and it's it's kind of interesting. It's kind of, they think that this was the cave that Jesus was born in. 
And, and it's, it's weird a little bit for me. It's, like for us as Baptists, we don't have the icons, okay? This church is built up, and it's like, it's a little overwhelming because there's like stuff hanging. There's icons. It's like red. I remember red, red color. It's just a fascinating experience. Not, but, but, but the cave is still there. And, and the cave is kind of this, around it is this massive church, but the cave still is kind of intact. Now, we don't know for sure if that's the place, but it's, it's, it's a possibility. It's, it's, it could be. And, and, and so it's interesting, as you go into the church, you walk into the cave, and you can't help but bow down to get in. Because it's a cave, and you got to kind of, even Robin had to bow down to get in. And I think that's an interesting posture. Because it's humbling when you walk into that cave. You're bowing. Not to hit your head, it's not, but, but still, think about how God humbled himself and came here, came to earth, came, left heaven and came to earth. And, and, and you know, I, I think this, this, it's important to remember that Christmas is about Jesus. Because let's think about it. We live in a world of religions, right? It's a, there's religions everywhere we look. There, there are new religions being made. And, and we live in a world of religion. What is religion? Religion is man's attempt to get to God. Christmas is a very, it's very important for us to remember it's about Jesus. Because what's the story of the Bible? What's the message of the Bible, the call of God's Word? It's not about us trying to get to God. It's the moment that God came to us, right? Jesus came to us. And, and you've you got to understand, and we've got to understand, that's the, that's the uniqueness of Christianity. That's the uniqueness of the call of the Bible, the, the, the call of God. Because God came to us, and that's a, a remarkable story. It's, a, it's, a, it's incredible news. And, and in Isaiah 9, it's interesting because uh, this prophet speaks to, to, to such, with such honesty, and, and it's so relevant even to where we are today. Isaiah is writing to a culture that's really self-absorbed and, and, and missing God's presence in their lives, the, the message of God in their lives. And, and I would say that's no different than our world. So many are going to go through this Christmas season, and what I don't want them to do is miss the obvious message, the obvious call. Look at, if you have Isaiah 9 open, look at verse 2. It says, notice in Isaiah 9, 2, it says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell, dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. Notice that. It doesn't say they discovered it. It's like on them it's shone. I like to read Charles Spurgeon. I have a Charles Spurgeon bobblehead in my office, and, and I think it's cool. And, um, and, and you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm just such a, I think I'm funny sometimes, and uh, most people don't think I'm that funny. But, but uh, in my office, I have Spurgeon up there, and I have a package of cigars next to it. Now, I don't smoke cigars, and, uh, and some people go, oh, that's kind of offensive. You're a preacher, and you have cigars in your office. I'm like, well, Spurgeon smokes cigars. I think it's funny. Uh, you know, if that offends you, I'm sorry. But I think it's funny. And, um, but but, but Spur- I read Spurgeon's sermon on Isaiah 9. 
And it was, it was, I loved his introduction of a sermon. I'm going to steal it today. Because he talked about how in his sermon, he, he went to the beach. He went to the ocean. And he was looking out in England over the, out the west. And, and he said, I saw a, a, a thunderstorm building. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. I can relate to that being from Oklahoma because I love thunderstorms. Don't you love thunderstorms? If you're from Oklahoma, you know, those of you that are like maybe moved from out of here, y'all may freak out over tornadoes. You can tell pretty soon you'll be a true Oklahoman. And, and when a tornado comes, you're like, let's go see it. Come on, let's go outside. Let's look at this bad boy. And I love seeing a thunderstorm roll in because it is, I love the, the, the building clouds. And I could, just, I could just embrace Spurgeon's vision here as he stood on the beach and, and he talked about this thunderstorm was just building and it was powerful, it was ominous, it was dark. And it was, I mean, it was just gonna be a, a big one. And, but then he said, as I was standing on the beach, I looked through the storm. And in and, and the west, the sun was setting, and you could see way in the distance the, the sun going down, and a light shone through the storm. And he goes, I, th- I thought of Isaiah 9, verse 2. Think about, look at verse 2 in your, in your Bible. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. And I think that's a beautiful picture of this passage that, that we live in a world that's dark, that's ominous, that's, that's, that's in trouble. There's storms raging everywhere we see. But, but the message of Christmas re- helps us see that a light is shown, that, that Jesus came. In the midst of that darkness, Jesus came. Oh my goodness, aren't you grateful? But the message of, of Christmas is not a hopeless message. It's a Terrible thing to be hopeless, isn't it? But, but we're not because of Jesus came. Look at Isaiah verse 9, verse 6. Look at what Isaiah writes. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And, and look, at, look at this. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Oh, let's stop there for a second. And let's, let's, let's just shine a light on this. Jesus, if you're taking notes, here's the first one. Jesus is the wonderful counselor. It's Jesus that is the wonderful counselor. And, and, and I want to ask you, who do you go to for counsel? Who, who, do, you, who do you turn to for advice? Who do, you, who do you look to for insight? Isn't it an interesting world that we live in. I mean, how often do we turn to Amazon reviews for advice, right? Okay, what, what, what is an Amazon review? It's, it's our peer reviews. Hey, what do other people think about this? You know what it reminds me of? I mean, I grew up uh, hearing my youth minister and my parents say, hey, Chris, be smart enough not to follow the, the what? Crowd, Right? But look how often we go to the crowd for advice, right? We look at the, uh, the next door suggestions. I'm talking about the app, next door, you know? How we always look at, hey, what, is our, what do our neighbors think? 
We're so wrapped up into what are your likes on Instagram? And hey, what about your Facebook shares or, or maybe your ratings on your podcasts? And whatever the meta thing is that's coming out now, I have no stinking clue what that stuff is. But, but I'll tell you, we got to learn something. That often following the crowd is not a good, it's not a good idea. Let's, not, let's remember that it's Jesus who's the wonderful counselor. And you know what's amazing about this? And I want you to write this down too. That, that because Jesus is the wonderful counselor, did you realize that his guidance is available to you? Don't you know that? That that God wants to guide you, that God is calling to you to to turn to him. And and, and can I remind us that that we have the opportunity not to get advice um, horizontally, but lean into the vertical advice available to us. That God's guidance is available to you. And I don't want us to miss this. And it's simple, and we know this. And how is God guiding us? Well, God's Spirit, God's, God moves us, and, and God speaks to us through His Word, doesn't He? I mean, it's like why we turn our face to the Word of God and, and why we are intentional about not missing the Lord today. We don't just come to go through religious motions like taking the Lord's Supper or tithing or, or um, studying the Bible. We're, we're not just doing these acts. We're connecting with the Lord. And I don't want you to miss the Lord through his word, right? Turn your Bibles to Psalm 19. I want you to flip over. I want you to see this. And I want you to notice that what the counsel of the Lord gives to you, what, what God's counsel brings to us. It says this in, in verse 7. And notice this in Psalm 19, verse 7. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Think about that, uh, that it's God's law, it's God's word that revives your soul. That's good counsel. When your soul is down, when you are downcast, it's, it's the word of God that revives your soul. Look at this, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. You can bank on it. God is going to lead you in the right way. The, the precepts, the rules, the guidelines of the Lord are right rejoicing the heart. Notice that. That it's God's guidelines. It's God's rules. They will rejoice your heart. Some of you, your heart is down because you keep rebelling against God's voice. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. It's in the commandments of the Lord that our, our, our eyes are, are, are enlightened. We are understanding. We, we have strength. And the fear of the Lord, notice this, is clean. That's interesting, isn't it? Fear of the Lord. What is that? It's not, fear of the Lord means it's not like, oh, God, I'm afraid of you. But let me tell you something. He's the king of all kings. That's a little terrifying. He's the Lord of all lords. But yet the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. That's what the fear of the Lord is. It's the it's respect of the Lord. It's to honor the Lord. When you honor the Lord, guess what? It's clean. Enduring forever. I, I was hunting the last day and a half, and 
I, I got home yesterday afternoon, and I hadn't showered in two days. And I'd wear the same clothes. It was awesome. I loved it. It was great. And my, I was like, Robin, I don't know if I'm going to shower or not. I may just wait till tomorrow. She's like, no, no, I think you should. Go ahead and shower. Um, have you ever been dirty? I was dirty. But you know, when you honor the Lord, it's interesting that the psalm says it's, it's clean, enduring, forever. The rules of the Lord are true. Righteous are together. Think about the rules of the Lord. It goes on and it gives you some, some application in verse 10. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, the drippings of the honeycomb. honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. I want you to see today that Jesus is the mighty counselor. Or excuse me, wonderful counselor. When was the last time you went to the Lord for counsel? When was the last time you as a family went to the Lord for counsel? Oh, let's not miss. Jesus is the wonderful counselor. Look at verse 6, Isaiah 9. Let's flip back over there. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Notice this, Mighty God. Hey, let's recognize this. Jesus is the Mighty God, right? Uh, I mean, we need to see this, that it's Jesus that is powerful. And you know what's amazing is his power has come to us. His power has come to you. And this is, this is uh, um, um, something I pray you see today. Remember Acts 1? Remember that moment with the disciples as, as Jesus had risen from the dead and, and he had the disciples' attention? And, and let me tell you something, if we were hanging out with them, he would have our attention too because we would have seen the cross, we would have seen the suffering, and then he shows up and hangs out with them for like 40 days. And in Acts 1, talks about the end of that time. And, and, it's, and Jesus gathers the disciples in Acts 1 and verse 6. And, and it's interesting, as they came to Jesus and he gathered them together, when they had come together, it says in verse 6 of Acts 1, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? It's a great question. It's like, hey, you just conquered the grave. Are you going to whip the Romans? Are you going to fix this place? Because this place is a mess. And you know what Jesus says in Acts 1, 7? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Let's, let's, let's hang there for a second. You know, I'm living in, we're living in 2021 in a crazy time, global pandemic. I get questions all the time. Man, the stage is being set for the second coming of Christ. Man, the world's falling apart. And, and when is Jesus going to return? It could be any moment, and that is all true. But let's remember what Jesus said, the last thing he said to his disciples uh, when he said, when he was physically with them, he says, hey, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. We shouldn't spend our time freaking out and worried about when the second coming is going to happen. Why? Because we got a job to do. The disciples had a job to do. And in Acts 1.8, he says, but you will be my witnesses. 
he says. You'll receive, excuse me, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, he says. We kind of coined the phrase, we'll be witnesses here, there, and everywhere. That's basically what, what he says. And see, what's interesting is we realize that, that Jesus is the mighty God, and this mighty God has empowered us to be witnesses. And I'm amazed how the Holy Spirit indwells us, that the strength of God is real in us, that the power of God, that, that, that the power of the Holy Spirit, he empowers us. Jesus is the mighty God, folks. And we can't miss this. It's like uh, not too long ago, I was in Bartlesville at, at the Voice of the Martyrs, and I had gone to hang out there and meet some guys, and I met the guy that was in charge of the whole thing. And, and we were standing in the uh, area where Richard Vermbrandt, if you know that story of Voice of the Martyrs in Bartlesville, it's a phenomenal ministry, and Richard Vermbrandt was, was imprisoned. And, and they have a mock of his cell that, was, that he was in for, for a long time. And, and I stood there with this guy that's the head of that ministry, and I said, man, how, I don't know how he did this. I don't know how he survived this because it was so difficult. As a mar- he was a martyr. He was a martyr for Christ. And, and, and you know what he said to me, this leader of this ministry said, you know what? It's interesting about God that God is faithful to give dying grace on dying days. And if you're not in a dying day, God doesn't give you dying grace. And I thought, wow, that's really true. That God gives us power even in the midst of of difficulty. And I want you to see that the message of Christmas, Jesus is the mighty God. But he also, notice, Verse 9, for to you, to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. In chapter 9, verse 6, excuse me. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Look at this. Everlasting Father. You see, Jesus is everlasting. And do you know what that means? That means eternal life is a guaranteed promise for you. This is the call we have, that, that, that eternal life is certain for us. And, and, and you know, th- this, this has been a strange time for me as a pastor. Do you know that since the, my wife has said to me, uh, she said to me the other day, Chris, how many funerals have you done? Seems like a lot. I was like, I don't know, babe. I don't know. I haven't counted. And so that was interesting to me. And so I went back uh, and counted the number of funerals. When I do a funeral, I write up a document and, and do you know that since the beginning of 2019, I have personally done 56 funerals. That's a lot. In this calendar year, I have, I have documents for 24 funerals. And there are a lot of funerals that I didn't write documents for that were in our church. That I just, I did a welcome or a greeting or something like that. I didn't write anything for it. And you know what that does for me? It motivates me. It gives me a sense of urgency. It gives me a sense of, man, we got a job to do. 
And you know, when I think about this passage, that Jesus is the everlasting Father, you realize that, that because, because eternal life is, is a promise to us, you know that, that death has no victory, death has no sting. But it also tells me, look, this number of funerals that I've done, we've had a, a, well over 67 funerals in our church since the beginning of 2019. And it tells me that there's some hurting people here. There's, some, there's many in our church that this Christmas, there's going to be some not at the table that we're at the table. Let's remember that Jesus is the everlasting Father. That's why this message of Jesus at Christmas is so very important. Look at verse 6. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And you probably figure out the notes by now. Do you all like to do that, figure out my notes before I do it? I don't know. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Let's not miss this. Aren't you grateful for the peace that Christ brings to you? You know, my... Um, I think about John 16, 33. You know what John 16, 33 says? Jesus was with his disciples in that upper room moment. And he said to them... I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world, you'll have trouble. But take heart, because I've overcome the world. And you know, I, I, I'll tell you what, it's one of the craziest times to, to live. We're, we're going to look back um, 30 years from now, and they're going to be like, oh, you're the generation that went through COVID. And there's Omicron, and the bummer about all that, the grief alphabet is longer. I don't know how many more letters we're going to have coming up. Who knows? But let's stop and remember something. That Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And, and, you know, because of that, do you realize that chaos will never wreck you? Chaos never wrecks us because Christ comes and gives peace to us. This is why well, I, I want those that, are, that didn't come to the table today. Because you don't know what it's like to have Christ in your life. You don't know what it's like to be forgiven. I want you to see Christ. I want you to see that, that Christmas is about Jesus. I want to remind you that the, the point of this is, is not just a cheesy saying that Jesus is the reason for the season. But I want to remind you that this is about Christ. Jesus came. Jesus came for you. For unto us a child is born. 
Unto us the Son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And notice verse 7. And I don't want us to miss, and I just have time to do, uh, I just have time to do one aspect of verse 7, but I don't want us to miss this. Of the increase of his government and of, his, of peace, there will be no end. Let that sink in for a minute. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness, let this sink in for a second. From this time forth, and forevermore. I'll let that sink in for a second. And then don't miss the last line of Isaiah 9, 7. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. You know what it reminds, it reminds me of? That God is passionate about us. God loves you. Christ loves you. He came for you. And Jesus knows you, and he still came for you. And that's what makes, makes the Bible so, so critically important to us. That's what makes the message of Christmas so valuable to us. Because the message of Christmas points to the fact that Jesus came here for you and for me. And you know, I remember when I came to recognize who Jesus really was. And, and like Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And, and I remember realizing, man, I'm a sinner. I'm, 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 I'm in darkness. But a light came to me. And, and this, this reality of Romans 5.8 that says God demonstrates his love for us in this, that even though you are a sinner, Christ died for us. And that's amazing to me because Jesus knew, God knew that I was going to be ungrateful, that I was going to be a jerk at times. He knew that I was going to know what to do and just go, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it and I'm not going to do it. There were times that that Jesus knew that I was going to be ungrateful to a brother or, or backbite or cause dissension. He knew that about me. He knew that I was just going to and not know what to do because I didn't care to study. And yet he still died for me. He knew all those things about you too. See, you may have known somebody in your life that gave you, told you I love you but didn't show you that, he loved, that they loved you. Some of you may have a father. I spent time with a man in our church, had a father that didn't demonstrate love to him. But, but you know what? Our Heavenly Father is not like that. He demonstrated his love for us in this, that even though you were a sinner, Christ died for you. And then, you know what? I, in my life, I received that gift of eternal life. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And, and when, I, when I read my Bible and I, and I embrace the mission that God's called us to as a church, oh my goodness, the world needs to know that there's a gift. And if you'll just come to Jesus, no matter who you are or where you've been or what you've done, oh my goodness, he'll save you. Even you. You know how I know that? Because he saved me. And man, I'm grateful. 
You might say, well, Chris, how do you do that? Well, Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You know what I found out about salvation after I, after I came to Jesus? That I came to Jesus and realized God was drawing me the whole time. God was at work before I even thought about it. That's why you're here today. That's why you're watching online today, because God's at work in your life. God's at work in this city. God's, a, God's moving us as a body to not get all bent out of shape on when's Jesus coming back, but to roll up our sleeves and go get to work, being a witness in the world, living on mission in this world, because that's our call. You know, we're going to have an invitation. And, and I'm, I'm going to invite you to turn to Jesus today. Joe and the band is going to lead us. And maybe your response to, to the Lord today is, is going to be um, getting right with him. Maybe your response to the Lord today is going to somebody in this room that you're like, hey, man, I've wronged you. I'm sorry. Maybe you're going to be like my friend down here who Leon and Rick teamed up on him this week to share the gospel with him. He got saved this week. Isn't that awesome? Maybe you need to come to Christ like he did this week. I'll come to Jesus. Trust the Lord. Father, thank you for the reminder today that you're the wonderful counselor. May we turn to you You're the mighty God. May we rely upon you, Jesus. You're the everlasting Father. We trust in you, Jesus, even when we're sad and don't understand. You're the Prince of Peace. Father, in the chaos of this world, would you bring your peace? Thank you for overcoming this world. Father, we love you. And we look to you. Would you move us, whether there are people online or in this room, move us now. We pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand where you are?